So good morning. Um, it's, we're excited to talk with you guys about prayer today. Um, but before we dive into that, I wanted to give you a little background about us and our history with prayer, because it's kind of fun. Um, and some of you may have heard this story, but Ben and I met um, in college. I was a freshman, and he was a senior. So, um, And I knew him as the guy who prayed a lot. He really had a reputation for that at our college. He was, like, really interested in prayer, and he kept trying to get people to come pray with him, like, in the basement of the chapel at the um, college and all this. And it didn't really catch on much. He, he was very faithful in it, though. He prayed a lot and tried to get people to do it. And then he went off to seminary, and the year he left was actually the year that a lot of students started praying a lot. (laughs) Um, So he laid the groundwork in many ways, I'm sure. Um, But I was one of those students, it was my senior year at that point, um, and we spent a lot of time in prayer and in worship, and um, at the end of the year we organized this week of prayer in this huge prayer tent set up outside our chapel on our college campus. It was a very secular, liberal arts college, so this was a big deal. And someone was like, hey, we should tell Ben about this. He would totally be into this. And so it turned out Ben was available to come fly up um, from South Carolina to Minnesota for that week of prayer. And that week was where we really connected, um, in that prayer tent, um, because it was something that we shared in common. We found we really um, related to God in similar ways and um, thought of him similarly, and we enjoyed praying together a lot that week. Um, So that's kind of what launched our relationship. And... I would love to say that we, like, pray together every day for an hour, but we totally don't. And um, (laughs) I don't think any of us pray with our spouse for an hour. Well, maybe some folks. Um, So anyway, um, we are up here not because we have it all figured out, but because um, we've been learning, and we would love to share with you guys some of what we have learned about prayer. Um, And we are going to have time for questions and answers at the end. So if you think of any questions, whether about things we say or things that we don't say that you're wondering about, um, just jot them down, and we'll have time at the end for that. So, briefly, what is prayer? Initial question. Um, prayer is basically communication with God. It can take many different kinds of forms. Uh, it can be formal or informal with people, with just by yourself, uh, asking him to intervene in your life or other people's lives or different situations, thanking him for what he's done, praising him for who he is, confessing bad things that you've done, working through old pains and hurts, uh, just sitting quietly together for a while. So we're not going to cover all of that. We're just going to talk about a few of them. Um, but one thing to kind of frame all of this is, it's kind of funny, but as, as the alleged prayer guy, I actually would love to replace the word prayer with Jesus in most cases. Like people talk about how we need more prayer in our lives and prayer can solve all these things and stuff. And I submit that it's actually Jesus who can solve all the things and that we need more Jesus in our lives. So the goal of this talk is not to get you to have an awesome prayer life, it is to get you to love and see Jesus more, to to think of it as letting the character of God imprint more deeply on us and on the world. So prayer is a way to do that, but that is the point. Um, And I really think of prayer for myself as time with God in conversation, in relationship. Um, I talk to him, I listen to him, I learn from him, I learn more what he's about, I learn more what he cares about. Um, And it's an interesting dynamic as we were preparing for this week. um, We read a book by Timothy Keller on prayer, and I wanted to share a quote from it because 
the way that we learn from God, it's both through like this mysticism element and through our intellect. And so I wanted to read. Um, Keller wrote that we were called to an intelligent mysticism. That means an encounter with God that involves not only the affections of the heart, but also the convictions of the mind. We're not called to choose between a Christian life based on truth and doctrine or a life filled with spiritual power and experience. They go together. And in my experience, that's really true. And so I wanted to encourage you in all that we're talking about to um, to hold those in tension um, and to think about the balance of them in your life. As a final note, most of pretty much all of what we're talking about today is prayer that you can do individually as sort of your personal prayer practice, but prayer and community is actually really important as well, and Keller in that same book quotes C.S. Lewis, uh, making this very interesting point that basically we see more of God when we pray in community. So like, I'm friends with Joe, and I bring out a certain side of Joe's personality, but Chris brings out a whole other side of Joe's personality other side and so when I'm hanging out with Joe with Chris I see more of Joe than I would when I just hang out with him by myself so if that's true of even just a person like Joe think about how much more true it is of God so as we come together formally or informally to worship God and speak with him and listen to him it reveals him more fully to all of us and so I'd Definitely encourage in your small groups with your friends, especially at 9.30 in the morning on Sundays. That's actually some of the richest times of prayer that I experience in my life these days. We, we pray together before the service. Um, so it, we're going to be talking about individual prayer, but experiment with communal prayer as well. It is worth it. All right, so the first thing that I wanted to talk in more depth about this morning is um, a form of prayer that I find really fruitful of praying in response to Scripture. Um, and I love this because I feel like the Bible injects like a new perspective into my prayer life. Um, if I'm just kind of praying the way I always pray, I can get stuck in ruts of the typical prayers, and I can kind of be short-sighted sometimes or self-centered or whatever it is. Um, and the Bible, what it does is it helps reveal God's character. It helps reveal his desires for me. Um, and I've found a lot of life in praying specifically in response to scripture in a lot of ways. So I wanted to share with you this morning a few of those ways. Um, so you can pray meditatively through a brief passage of scripture. Um, and this is something that I did um, when I was in college. I think it was actually Ben's idea to do it this way. But I um, ran a small group where we would med- memorize and meditate on scripture. And so we would get together once a week and have this passage, usually like two to four verses, Um, And we would, when we gathered together, spend time meditating on it through prayer. Um, So what we would do is each person on their turn would read the whole passage aloud and then pray a really brief prayer in response to something in that passage. And then the next person would read the whole passage aloud and pray a brief prayer. And we'd go around the whole circle a couple times. And it was really interesting. It did bring out that thing Ben was talking about with um, relating to God in different ways. You would hear all these different ways to pray it and... Um, It would really help each of us to understand what the passage was actually saying and how we could apply it. So I wanted to do an example with you this morning with this passage here, um, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So I'm going to read it, and then I'll share a few ways that you could pray in response to it. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
So some of the ways you could pray are, thank you, God, that you have raised me with Christ, that you have given me new life. God, help me understand what it looks like to seek the things that are above, what it looks like to seek the things that are on your heart, not necessarily the things I see with my eyes. Change my heart, God. Help me to think more about your kingdom, not about my situations. Broaden my perspective and uh, just give me vision. God, give me joy. Give me hope in the new life I have in Christ. Let me really um, take that on as my own. Help me to see that, uh, that you see me through Christ's, um, through Christ's lens, through the life that he has lived on my behalf. Bring this to mind when I'm setting my mind on things that are on earth. And please, God, shift my focus to things that are above. And so you can just keep flying with this. Like, that is just scratching the surface of this passage. And um, I wanted to list for you guys some of my favorite passages to do this with. But really what you should be doing is picking the passages that stand out most to you in the Bible. Something that has really always captured your attention or that you've had a question about and that you might not understand. Um, Praying through it is a great way to um, dig deeper, to let God speak to you what is in this passage, what he wants you to get out of it. Um, And it can be things that intrigue you or something that as you're doing more reading, zero in on this and you're like, ooh, I should jot that down and pray through it at another time when I have more time. Um, So that is one way that I like to pray in response to scripture. And then um, another one is praying as I'm reading something longer. Um, So this could be just whatever you happen to be reading at the time. It could be often I'll um, later in the week read what was talked about in the sermon just um, to kind of get more context and stuff for it. So you can um, read prayerfully. I'd encourage you to anytime you're reading the Bible, really. Um, And what you can do, sort of the pattern to follow, you can start by greeting God and listening. So just kind of open up, hey God, um, thanks for being with me while I'm reading this. Um, Please let me know if there's anything you want me to focus on. And then pause and listen. Um, Specifically, invite the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us um, that the Holy Spirit brings light and brings understanding as we read the scripture. Um, So say, Holy Spirit, come. Come now. Open my eyes. Help me to see what's in this. Um, And then as you read, be open to talking about it, but don't feel like you have to pray everything. Like this is your reading time, not necessarily your prayer time, but they go together. And um, so pause and pray when you feel like something comes up that you want to pray about and keep reading if you don't. And it's okay if you don't pray in the middle of reading. It's okay if you just read the whole thing. But at the end, um, do pause and just ask God what he wants you to take away from it. If there are any action points or things that... um, that you need to change in your life because of what you read in the Bible. And then uh, the last form of prayer is praying specific prayers that are found in the Bible. And this is something we've talked about here, um, usually in reference to the Lord's Prayer. It's something that I'm sure you have all prayed word for word many, many times in your life, um, but that you can also kind of improv and expand on and pray each phrase and then kind of personalize it for your life. Um, But there are lots of other prayers in the Bible, too, that we can do this with. Um, One of those types of prayers, um, prayers in the New Testament, sometimes called apostolic prayers. They're prayers that um, the followers of Jesus wrote in letters to other believers, um, usually praying specifically for those believers in those churches. Um, And they're really cool prayers because we can be confident that God wants to see those things happen in his church. 
And so you can pray them with real confidence and with real power, both for your own church, um, for other believers, whether they're in this specific room or not. Um, but also you can kind of tweak it to personalize it and pray it just for yourself and your own life. Um, so I wanted to give you an example of what that could look like um, if I were to pray this for um, our church and those of us here today. I could say, God, fill us with the knowledge of your will. Give us wisdom through the Holy Spirit to understand your desires for us. Help each of us to honor you in the way we live, and really let everything we do bring you pleasure. Let our work and actions bring about good fruit for your kingdom, and help each of us to know you better every day as you strengthen us with your power, your power that is so much stronger than we can ever imagine, so that we can patiently and joyfully live through everything that comes our way. Thank you, God, that you have adopted us as your sons and daughters and prepared a place for us in your kingdom. And I could go on a lot longer than that. That was a quick prayer through it, um, but it it can really be a jumping-off point and give us specific biblical things to pray for for ourselves and for our church. And um, I've listed some of the most common um, prayers found in the New Testament, and then a lot of psalms are also prayers, like a ton of them. There's prayers of lament and prayers of joy and prayers of all sorts, and these are some of the ones that I've found to be my favorites, but um, really, if you just read a psalm, it will probably have something in it that you can read as a prayer, too. Um, So I'm going to invite Ben up to share our next part. So I'd like to talk today about waiting on God. I was originally going to do two sections, and I cut the other one and doubled this one because it's so important to me and has been so transformational in my life. So I grew up as a missionary kid, um, but even so, I was never really sure how to interact with God. And I really wanted to know, and I never figured it out. And then sometime in or shortly after college, I started understanding better, and this is what I learned, and this is why I so frequently now end up barefoot and on my knees in public. Um, So, um, waiting on God is how we internalize the things, like how we receive what God has to give us. Uh, The point of this kind of prayer, like I was saying before, is basically to allow God to imprint deeply on us and on the world, to imprint his character. So as we become vulnerable, open ourselves up, and then let God influence us, it will start changing who we are. Um, you see these verses in the Bible like, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that, I will, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. I love that one because it's like, like if you've ever worked the night shift, which I have, you want it to stop. Like you want that ending of that shift to come. And it is actually like that when you're waiting for God, waiting for him to show up and you just want him to come. I never used to understand what that meant. Now I do. Um, Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount, with, mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, like that sounds lovely, and people say it all the time. That's a very popular verse. And for the longest time, I had no idea how to actually do that. Like, okay, fine, but how do I get stronger from God? Like, what is that? So, step one 
is to set aside time with God. And this is really, like, I'm terrible at devotions. I'm going to come out. I, I've had a conflicted relationship with the idea of devotions my whole life, even growing up as a missionary kid, even being the prayer guy, whatever. I'm really bad at this. But the thing that I've found that I can do that works even better than my weird concept of devotions is showing up with an eye to meet God. So if I set aside the prayer list, set aside all the things that I feel like I need to do, my one job is to show up. That is the starting point. Um, and a little background here. So, so the idea is we're showing up to meet with God, but the, the real goal here, again, I say set aside the prayer list. That may give you pause if I'm the prayer guy, uh, allegedly. Um, the idea is, in the end, not to accomplish something in prayer, like not to change the world or change the country or get a million dollars or whatever. Like The goal is to know God and be known by Him. And so, the, so my theory behind that is that joy works in layers, and we want God to be the core of our joy. So like, if I have a really bad sandwich, it can kind of ruin my day. But I also have a magnificent wife, Kristen, who is gorgeous and intelligent and godly. And as long as my mind and heart are fixed on the fact of my glorious wife, Kristen, there is only so deep a bad sandwich can cut me. Like, there's only so much impact that can have on my life. Um, and there are two parts to that. Like, she does have to be my wife, and I have to fix my attention on that. Uh, so, God is your God. This is how we fix our attention. So, uh, you, you could say... It's kind of like, like, say I had a bad day at work, but at least I still have a great weekend planned with my friends. But that fell through, but at least I still have a, let's see, a good job. But I lost that, but at least I still have a safe and beautiful home. But they took that away from me, but at least I still have my lovely family. But I lost them, what? Yeah, but at least I'm the VP of marketing in some big company? Like, no, that will not cut it. But if at the bottom of, like, if at the end of that chain you say, but at least God is my God, nobody can take that away from you. And if you can deeply fix your attention on that, deeply fix your affections on God, like, have Him actually be the core of your joy, it gives you an unshakable confidence uh, and will carry you through life with a peace and a joy and a source of life that is, that nobody can take away and that nothing can shake. I think that's why Saul, Paul, and Silas were able to sing in the deepest, darkest room of the dungeon after being beaten, because they had that unshakable confidence in God. So, back to how we do this. First show up, set aside some time. Uh, you might ask how much, like how, how long should you be doing this each day or whatever. I'd say it's kind of like asking how much should you run. Uh, basically, probably start with a little more than you're doing now, and then probably the more you do it, the more you will A, be able to, and B, want to. Um, once you have shown up in a t- time and place set aside without distractions just focus on God set your focus on God this can happen in different ways I, I am actually a fairly contemplative kind of person and just sitting quietly by myself in a room works for me uh, but if it doesn't for you singing, journaling, time in nature time with friends talking about what you love about God um, studying the Bible, meditating on scripture, all kinds of different things. This is sort of personality one. Pick the one that best sets your focus and affection on God. And then wait. And that's really kind of all of it. Wait for God to show up. Um, 
If your attention drifts, that's fine. Bring it back. But basically just spend time pondering the goodness and the beauty of God, the kindness that he's shown you, the magnificent work that he's done in Jesus, the ways you've seen him in the world, the hope that he's given us. And after a while, you may find that you begin to feel him, like you sense his presence in a new way. It is actually sort of a a physical sensation. I don't get it, it's super weird and woo-woo, but it is the case. Talk to me later if you're curious. Um, But if you don't feel that, don't worry about it. Even just pondering God is well worth it. And if you do feel it, enjoy it. Like, it is a delightful thing to feel the presence of God and spend time with him. I actually kind of think of it as cuddling with God sometimes. It's like, you don't have to get anything done. You're not trying, like, you're not there for something other than to be with him. It's kind of like uh, sunbathing is one of my favorite analogies. It's this, like, focused non-doing. You're, like, being there, experiencing that experience is what you're doing. If you start doing something else, you're not doing it anymore. Just be there. Like, don't explain the hug. Just hug the hug. You know? It's, uh, so, be there. Enjoy God. Enjoy being with him. Um, and again, sometimes this will feel really incredible and you'll totally get it and have it and Sometimes you'll be sitting by yourself in an empty room for half an hour and nothing will happen and it's just weird and awkward. That's fine. Just show up. Again, like that's your one job. Just show up with an eye to focusing on God. Don't worry about it. Like he can he can do what needs to be done. Depend on him. Um, to some of you this may be sounding a little like weird and woo woo and transcendental meditation, Eastern religion, emptying your mind sort of thing. Maybe you're nervous it's going to like invite demons into your brain. I was very afraid of that for many years and it stopped me from doing much of this. I am now not afraid of it anymore. Um, my main reason for thinking that it is not a risk is, A, it's not mainly about emptying your mind. It's about pondering God, about like filling your attention and your affection with God. So you're not going to this like weird nirvana zen state. You're thinking about God lovingly. Um, second, it works in balance with other forms of prayer. So, like, if all you were ever doing was sitting quietly, not doing much, fine, maybe a little imbalanced. But we talk with God, we talk with others, we spend time resting with God. It, you know, and in balance, it uh, it's more like giving breathing room in a relationship. It's like having space where you just spend time together. Um, you know, it's like you're. It is not a danger to not be talking all the time. In fact, it might be a bit more of a danger to feel like you have to talk all the time in a relationship. So this is more like that space. Um, and finally, focusing on God through Christ is good. Like, come to your own conclusions, but honestly, if you are dedicating time to focus on God through the spirit of the living Christ, I think... I don't see how that will invite demons into your life. In fact, rather than evil spirits, it will probably invite more of the Holy Spirit into your life. Um, if, however, you're not compelled by this, do your own research, study it, study the Bible, figure out what it says, talk to Christians that you trust, read what wise Christians through history have written. Um, don't break your conscience by going against this and like doing it because I said it even though you're kind of nervous and think it's probably a bad thing deep down. Come to your own conclusions, follow God. But do come to a conclusion, I would say. Like, don't just feel like vaguely like this is probably kind of iffy and not think about it again. Work through it diligently because it is a magnificent and transformational opportunity. And if you can do it in good conscience, 
is well worth it. Uh, and finally, entrust yourself to God's protection. He is much stronger than everybody else, and if you ask him to protect you as you pursue him, he will. So I'd like to have a moment to try this out. Um, just so you get a quick sense of what I'm feeling, although or what I'm talking about, although we've probably all mostly experienced it already this morning because thank you to the worship band. Um, but let's take a moment. This will be like less than a minute. There will be bits of silence, but they will probably be less than 20 seconds, so don't worry. Um, just breathe. Relax. Take a deep breath. And turn your mind to God. Think about what you love about God, where he's brought you, his holiness, his kindness, the character of Jesus, his strength as a protector, what you've seen him do in the world, whatever it is for you. Take some time and remember God. can talk to him if you want to, and you don't have to. It's good to rest in the presence of God. It's good to remember who he is. God of holiness. God of kindness. The guy who took us when we were his enemies and not only rescued us, but adopted us and gave us an inheritance in heaven. Jesus, who's still alive today, who led the way through death into a new kind of life for us. Some of you felt things, some of you didn't. If you did, that's what I'm talking about. If you didn't, again, don't worry about it. That's what we call it a prayer practice. Just keep coming back. Keep paying attention to God. It's beautiful. Um, and then an interesting effect arises when you do this on a regular basis. Uh, you could say there's a cycle between resting prayer and working prayer. As you know, if you're worried that I told you to throw out your prayer list, uh, you can bring it back. That's fine. Like, once you're in this deep place of intimacy and communion with God, tell him everything that you care about. Tell him everything that's on your heart. Tell him what you're scared of. Tell him what you're eager for, what you're worried about, what you're still working through. Ask him to help your friend. Ask him to heal that other person. Ask him to heal your relationship, to give you what you need. Tell him how good he is. All the things that are on your heart, you can tell him. No pressure to, but you can. And even more interestingly to me, he will tell you what he cares about. Like, this is where I where it like got even more interactive for me, is when I would spend a long time waiting on God like this, 
again, you become very vulnerable. You become very open inside. And so then God can plant ideas uh, in your heart, things to images or uh, ideas or people, topics, and you will care much more deeply about them. And so, so you begin to see all the things that need prayer. It can be asking God to intervene in situations that need his intervention. It can be worshiping him, uh, thanking him for the good things he's done. It can be internal work where you're confessing sins that you haven't let go of yet or you know, resentments that you haven't let go of or hurts that you haven't resolved that you need healing from. Um, whatever it is, though, it will be more effective. You, know, you can basically do all of the other kinds of prayer in this context, and they will work way better. Uh, there's a, a phrase I love that lovers will always outwork workers in the context of prayer. Like, if, if you come into it mainly to be with God, you will end up doing more, more powerfully of the other things than the person who just came into it with a list of all the other things that they wanted to get done in prayer. The strength of this is uh, that God sets the agenda. He can, he knows what's important for you here and now. So instead of having to pray for all the things forever, he knows the hot spot. Instead of having to deal with everything that you've ever done, he knows which one is really like the key to unlock your heart a little deeper right now. So his lead is gentle and beautiful and powerful. Um, It's his strength, not ours, getting back to that, getting what God has to give us. And so, you know, so when, when he is lighting up your imagination, when he is lighting up your heart, making you, like, like leading you to care deeply about people that you maybe didn't care that much about, about needs that you didn't really think that much about in general, uh, when he's lighting up your imagination with visions of heaven, with visions of what Christ can do for your neighbors, you will care more. You will pray with greater faith, with greater persistence. Um, and it cultivates collaboration with God, which is a kind of strange phrase, but it's way deeper and way richer to work together with God uh, than to just like tell him all the things you want and then hope he says something. Finally, if all of this is like way more interactive than you ever experienced with God and you want to experience more of God like this or more than you are now or whatever, I have just a quick pro tip. Like, can't guarantee anything because God is a person and people are complicated, but if you take this basic approach, I am confident that you will begin to experience more and more of God. First, submit to God in any areas where you're not at the moment. And you'll know where you're not. So between you and him. Um, second, stop self-medicating. Cut out all the things that you depend on to numb and mask your feelings. Become more vulnerable. Feel the feelings. Work through them together with God, and it will change the whole dynamic of your life. Uh, and then set aside time regularly to focus on God. And this is actually a pretty painful process to go through. Uh, don't do it all at once. Don't do it by yourself. Just do it step by step, layer by layer, like let God in his time unfold you, like set this as your intention and just stay faithful to it. I actually highly recommend Celebrate Recovery. I've been going for almost a year now and it has been magnificent in making me more open, more honest, uh, giving me new victory in areas of sin that had clung to me for years and uh, it's it's a way to do this sustainably rather than just kind of like flare up because you're all excited because you heard a cool sermon once and then forget about it in three weeks like I usually do. Um, 
With that, I put you back in the capable hands of my beautiful wife. Um, so, I love what Ben said. It also makes me a little nervous because I'm really bad at setting aside time for prayer. <laughs> really, really bad at it. And I do blame it largely on the fact that I am a mom of two small children, one of whom goes to bed at 8.30 or 9 and the other wakes up at 6, so I've got a whopping nine hours to be an adult, and I sleep for most of them. So, um, long prayer does not happen every day. It maybe happens once a week if I'm lucky, Um, but luckily there are other forms of prayer, and I wanted to talk with you this morning about um, what I think of as praying in the gaps, Um, short prayer throughout the day, Um, and I feel like short prayer really does help build relationship with God. Um, It's something that helps to just make me more aware of God's nearness. It helps shift my attitude throughout the day. Um... And of course, it's like, it's best done in conjunction with long prayer. Like, your prayer life will be richer if you both set aside time to pray on a daily basis and pray throughout the day. Um, But it can also, um, in an emergency, tide you over for a while. Um, And I've got a kind of silly analogy I want to share. Um, It's kind of like, so you know how you've got friends who you see once or twice a week, and you talk with when you see them, and it's great, um, but then you guys take the friendship to the next level, and you start texting each other during the week. And that, like, that really does build your relationship, because you just send them a random text when you think of them, or when you think of something that they would enjoy. And um, you get to know each other a lot better through those random little things throughout the week. And then when you do see each other again, you know more what you want to talk about. And you have this common base of interaction and this familiarity. Um, And it's something that I think it kind of works the same way with God, too, as we talk to him in short bursts throughout our days. Um, we, We do grow closer to him in relationship. Um, So I wanted to talk today about a few types of short prayer that I have found to be um, most most fruitful in my life. Um, And the first one is intercession, which is a fancy word for praying for people or situations. Um, And I don't have a prayer list that I pray through. It seems neither one or I does. (laughs) Um, But I pray for people and situations as... I think of them during the day. Um, If someone sends me a text, hey, this is happening, can you pray for me? I say yes, and then I pray for them on the spot because I'm going to forget if I don't do that. Um, And if I scroll through something on Facebook that I'm like, oh, I should pray for that, I do it right away. And it's um, a way to to acknowledge God, to pause, and to um, say, God, this is in your hands. Um, And if you don't naturally think of things like that. There are other ways to get little bits of intercession in your day. Um, One thing I did, um, I think in college or after college or something, um, I had a little cup of prayer needs written on scraps of paper um, and then another cup next to it of things I have prayed for. So whenever I felt like praying for something, I would grab a paper from the cup and pray for it for as long as I felt like it and then put it in the other cup of things I've prayed for. And when your cup of prayer needs is empty, then you can dump them all back in and start over. But it's a good way to make sure you cycle through it without feeling like you have to pray for a whole list all at once. Um, So that is that one. And another type of short prayer that I really, really love um, is abiding prayer, um, which I think of as really just 
pausing, recentering my attention and direction on God, um, being with God. It's kind of like what Ben was talking about, but in very small increments instead of in larger increments. Um, just breathing, being, um, and I find that it makes me a lot more peaceful and mindful. Um, I hear from God more, even when I return to what I was doing before. Um, and it, it just makes me more attentive. It makes me a nicer person. I am more patient with my children. Um, and that just that short little bit can help a lot. And um, I read a book earlier this year. And I started during our fast in January. It's called Abiding in Christ by Andrew Murray. Wonderful little devotional book. Um, and I wanted to share a paragraph from it with you. He wrote, Each time your attention is free to occupy itself with the thought of Jesus, whether it be with time to think and pray or only for a few passing seconds, let your first thought be to say, Now, at this moment, I do abide in Jesus. Do not use such time in vain regrets that you have not been abiding fully or in still more hurtful fears that you will not be able to abide, but rather take the position the Father has given you. I am in Christ. This is the place God has given me. I accept it. Here I rest. I do now abide in Jesus. This is the way to learn to abide continually. And scattered moments of doing this throughout your day, um, I hope you'll find really do have an impact on your your overall, um, just feeling your overall feeling of closeness with God. Um, they don't have to be long moments. They can really be a short, literal, like 10 seconds. Jesus, I turn my attention to you. I abide in you right now. Um, and another writer who was very good at this um, was Brother Lawrence, who was a monk in the 17th century, and he worked in a very busy kitchen, um, think like restaurant during rush hour at dinner, um, and there was all this stuff going on around him, but he was continually abiding, and um, he wrote a bunch of letters to different people that were gathered after his death into this little book called The Practice of the Presence of God, and people also kind of recorded conversations they remembered having with him, so we have some of his thoughts, and I wanted to read one of those as well. He wrote, A little lifting up of the heart suffices, a little remembrance of God, one act of inward worship, our prayers, which, however short, are nevertheless very acceptable to God. So the last kind of prayer um, that I wanted to share with you this morning is what I call an emergency flare. It's when you go, oh my goodness, what is happening? God, help! And this is something that you can build a habit of doing. Um, and it's, it's honestly really hard to be a habit because those times when you most need God's help are the times when you're often least likely to ask for it because they're when your flesh is taking over. Your flesh is saying, oh, I'm going to despair in this and just be really frustrated and um, try to figure out how I can solve it. Or I'm going to lash out in anger or in frustration. Or I'm going to just shut down emotionally because I don't want to deal with this. Um, but if you can train yourself in the habit of... Um, remembering God and praying and asking for his help. It is something that he really enjoys when we ask. Um, the Bible talks about how um, God um, is kind of like listening to a child ask their parent for something good. Like He loves to give us the good things that we ask him for, and he loves to help us when we need help. Um, and I wanted to share an example with you from the book of Nehemiah which is a book I do not read often, but um, Ben brought it up, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. So um, in Nehemiah, uh, he is in Babylon in exile with the rest of the Israelites, and he learns that Jerusalem, his city that he loves, is in ruins. 
and he fasts and prays and asks God, oh, please make a way for us to restore the city. Um, And then he got called off to work. He worked as a cupbearer for the king of Babylon. And so he went in and was taking the king's wine. And the king noticed that Nehemiah looked sad and was like, hey, what's going on? And Nehemiah explained his city is in ruins. And then um, Nehemiah writes, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said yes to this request, and he gave him a bunch of resources to take with him to rebuild Jerusalem. So this was a really short prayer. Nehemiah was in the presence of the king, and the king asked him a question, and he prayed, and then he answered the question. So this was not a long prayer by any means, although it was preceded by fasting and prayer. Um, But this was definitely like an emergency signal flare in the moment, and God responded, and I think he wants to do the same for us. Um, So I wanted to, again, these books are amazing books. I highly recommend them. They're both very short and um, probably very cheap as e-books, or if money is an issue, tell me and Ben, and we will buy you a copy of either of these books. That's how good they are. Um, Highly recommend. um, Just in deepening your awareness of how much God loves when we are abiding with him continually throughout the day, when we're talking with him continually throughout the day. And then um, in conclusion, I wanted to read one more quote from Brother Lawrence because he's amazing. Uh, This is both to encourage you and to also challenge you. Um, He wrote, Think often on God by day, by night, in your business, and even in your diversions. He is always near you and with you. Leave him not alone. You would think it rude to leave a friend alone who came to visit you. Why then must God be neglected? Do not then forget him, but think of him often. Adore him continually. Live and die with him. This is the glorious employment of a Christian. In a word, this is our profession. If we do not know it, we must learn it. So I'd encourage you this week to um, to just pick one thing to start practicing more in your prayer life um, and in your relationship with God. I'm going to invite Ben back up, and we have a few minutes if you have any questions for us. What's been something in the last year that you think has really developed your prayer? So the question is, what's something in the last year that has really helped develop our prayer life? I think I already talked about mine, um, the abiding in Christ um, and that idea of abiding. And the book goes into a lot more detail on this, but um, just accepting that position that like, we are in Christ all the time and he does a lot of the work of keeping us. Like, It's not our job to be like, oh, I have to abide a lot harder. I have to really remember this all the time. But like, that's just where we are. We are in Christ. Um, and we can practice being more aware of it but we are whether we're aware of it or not. And um, that's really just made it a lot easier to come right to God without having to do all the things to get closer, but just be like, hey, I'm here right now. And um, so that's been really useful for me. Yeah, two things come to mind for me. One is praying together as a couple. It's I'm a very solitary prayer, so it's taken me a long time to get used to that at all. And we still don't always do it, but when we do, it's uh, really remarkably bonding and, and effective. And also uh, just sucking it up and finally starting to get up earlier has had a big impact in my life. <laughs> um, I, I noticed that the disciples uh, weren't really interested in prayer and truly saw miracles. 
I can't think of any recent examples, and it's probably because I haven't been praying as deeply recently, but um, definitely in college that year um, that we did the prayer tent, we, we definitely saw a lot more of the supernatural um, because we were really seeking God's heart and seeking um, just his, his manifest presence on our college campus, and it was really cool. We definitely saw people come to salvation. We saw people get healed. An amazing year. Can you kind of hold and balance that year for the we ask God to do something? Ask for ask for it. Yeah, experience that God's timing is different than ours, and God's will be done. He says, "Fall and not die." So this kind of holy time before the throne of God. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, so the question was basically, how do you keep in balance the fact that we're called to come boldly before God and ask for big things, and also that sometimes it seems like he doesn't answer and or his timing is very different, or like he says no to Paul, things like that. take a stab at it. Um, I think it is something that I really do struggle with holding, um, that, that tension. Um, but I feel like God, as we spend time with him, um, he, he reveals to us what his desires are. And when we're praying in accordance with those, he, he responds. He may not respond by saying yes right now. Um, he may respond in a different way. Um, and it is really hard when he doesn't answer something that we thought he wanted for us right now and we don't always know why and I think it's important to to spend time wrestling with him over it and asking him why and coming back in prayer and maybe changing the way that you're praying as he changes you um, but it is something that I still struggle with I agree. That's a super hard and complicated question that has given me a lot of trouble over the years. That said, um, what I do, what I, what I, one thing I have found is that basically vetting our prayer requests with God can be very powerful, um, especially if it's a, a bigger thing or something that like needs more faith or something like that. Like it's very easy to pray if it's your will, do such and such. 
and that's fine, but it's I've discovered a lot more powerful to hash out with him whether or not it is his will, and having come to a clear conclusion in his presence that it is, ask hard and persistently for as long as it takes. Um, kind of similar to that prophetic insight I was talking about. There have been some times in my life where God has just basically given me faith to ask for something specific. And in those times, it's, it's an odd sensation because it, it almost becomes irrelevant whether or not I think it can happen or will happen. You know, it's just like, it's, it's not really a question anymore. It's just a thing that God has given me to do with him in prayer until it's done. And it's a very different sensation even then getting really confident that I'm pretty sure God wants to do this and hoping that he will and asking him a lot, which is also fine to do, but uh, this is again why I love waiting on God. Is like the, the more I wait on God, the more I let him imprint on me, the more it shapes what I ask and how I ask for it and gives me the power to pursue the things that he wants pursued in the way he wants them pursued. Thank you guys for listening and participating, and um, we are dismissed to enjoy each other and enjoy some snacks probably, and have a wonderful week.